The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, David, my dad's trying to kill you. Get out of here. Run. He immediately goes after Jonathan's mom. <laughs> You're my dad. What? <laughs> He's also breaking his promise. Now he's like, bring him here. He will surely die. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jonathan's like, what the heck, dad? Exactly. Exactly. All right. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints. I am one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is Joshua. And to my left, I'm Joel. And to my left, it's me, Caleb, again. Sadly, we are missing Colton and Stuart. Very, Stuart. very sad. Very, very Stuart. sad. Um, Joel, we do things on the internet occasionally, don't we? We do. We do. Um, we've got our website, secondratesaints.com. If you want to get a hold of us by email, secondratesaints at gmail.com. Um, if you want to follow us on our socials, um, that would be on Instagram, we're secondratesaints. And on Twitter, um, we're also secondratesaints. But I think our like at is like second, isn't like two nd. Kind of, it's weird. Anyways, um, yeah, definitely trying to be more active online. I th- I don't think if you want to follow us for like consistent social media posts, that's the move. But I do know that we have big ideas in the works, and you guys are going to want to see those things as soon as possible because I'm very excited for some of the stuff we have coming down the pipeline. Um, so yeah, pay attention to what we're putting out online and hopefully you, uh, get the chance to enjoy it. Um, yeah, for our, what have you read this week? I'm going to, uh, bat it back to Caleb here. Um, Caleb, what have you read? It has taken me uh, too long to finish reading this book. Um, I started reading the Crusades, uh, the authoritative history of the war for the Holy Land by Thomas Asbridge. Um, English lecturer, professor from Oxford. It's just under 700 pages. That might be extremely daunting for most, um, and that's fair. It is a very easy read. The hardest part are the, are the names. Otherwise, it's actually pretty straightforward. Hmm. Um, he writes it in a very, like, very readable narrative almost kind of way. Okay. Um. Yeah, it took me like a year to read it because I had to put it on hold at, for, like for long periods, multiple times. And to be honest with you, I have like 20 pages left. If I'm totally honest with the audience, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm almost done. Yeah. Um, we do know what happens, you know, because history. Um, it's great. It's phenomenal. He, uh, he does a great job at not pulling his punches for stuff um, for either side and like trying to, to bring a... Um, you know how people will often read political stuff, modern political stuff, into the Crusades. And they'll try to, like, base modern political arguments mm-hmm. against this position or that position of, like, the Crusades is the reason why of this and this behavior and this is why the Middle East is like this. He doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, nor does he... He fights the caricatures and misconcept the modern misconceptions about the Crusades, like, dead on. So he, he's very good at that, um, I'd 100% recommend it if you're 
interested on the Crusades? Well, I mean, that's something that we kind of have in the mind of culture, but we don't really have in our history books, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, when people talk about, like, history as, like you said, for political means, they'll always go to, like, World War II history and things like that. Like, they'll use that type of rhetoric. But they also go back to the Crusades to say, like, uh, the Christians aren't innocent either, but and very rarely not. we have this vague understanding of what the Crusades actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, and rarely do we accept them for their own context, yeah. which yeah. I don't, I think it does a disservice to the historicity of it, at least from what I've heard out of you reading that, mm-hmm. um, and the, the bits of information. I know that we were having a conversation the other day with a guy who, um, he was getting some of his historical knowledge off of TikTok and, and platforms like that, that are like snippets, right? So he knew small factual points of the crusades, like most of us do, um, but he didn't necessarily know how they all tied together. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend this resource as the the thread that intertwines all of those different interesting facts? 100%. Okay. 100%. He does a very good job of laying out um, the at, the factors in Europe as well mm. as the factors is going on. Like, oh, this is what's going on in the far Middle East of how they're reacting to this. Mm-hmm. Right? Um and so he's very good at giving that that more holistic mind uh, or per- perspective of what's going on and why. Like, why did certain calls for a crusade at such and such a time work and then at a different time they didn't? Mm-hmm. Where was the public's imaginary imagination at that time that one worked and one didn't? Like, what's... So he's very good at those sorts of so things. So it gets into a little bit more of a sociological and economic factor, not just a religious factor. Mm-hmm. All of that's brought together. And, it, and mm-hmm. it's very readable. The issue is is it's, nine, is it's just under 700 pages. Well, that is what I've learned from your book recommendations specifically, is that the bar for your knowledge of history is decently high. Would you say you have to come to this book with an, a, an already existing understanding of that era of history to fully understand its impact or would you say it's closer to I, I know Tom Holland does this with a lot of his history works where he presents it as a story and it's kind of self-contained and anything that needs to be explained will be explained uh, um, I would actually say this guy does a, does a pretty good job of not okay. needing uh, historical um, like pre pre-knowledge coming in mm-hmm. that being said it's it's not like Tom Holland it would be a couple shades okay. off of Tom Holland's like readability mm-hmm. and presentation of story. Yeah, it does read a little bit more like a historical like X happened mm-hmm. for these reasons. This is, but he does a very very good job at that. And so, yeah, um, it's not quite as approachable as Tom Holland. Yeah, but it's it's close compared to other history works that I've read. This is phenomenal um, for that. But Tom Holland awesome. would be the most approachable. Um, but yeah, Crusades by Thomas uh, Asbridge. Um, Josh, cover the Richard Lionheart fighting. Four. Okay. Out of five. Yeah, it's good. It says exactly what you want, and he's the main character in the whole thing, so. Well, in the third <laughs> Crusade. He shows, it's, it's, if he was, man, I'd be so happy. He's the, most, he's the most well-known individual of the Crusades on our side. Our side. Interesting word choice. <laughs> <laughs> you align yourself with the Crusades. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. If we're going to talk about fun facts from the Crusades, though, you should give us one fun fact that happened. At least. If more, that's fine. 
Okay, I wasn't expected to be put on the put on the spot. Dude, like this. you put seven hundred pages worth of reading into this. I'm going to grill you on this book. Um, Got to get the maximum amount. Out of one this. fun fact: the amount of weird miracles in the First Crusade makes me extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, where it's just like, anyways, the Crusaders were outnumbered, sieging a city. They didn't have supplies, and they let like, you know. It took months and months and months. Anyway, so they broke into the city just before the enemy reinforcements arrived. So they took the city, then turned around, defended the city. What? Mm -hmm. And then like over and over and over. Yeah. And it's just wild. Or um, how bad um, so many Europeans went to the Holy Land and they like just the just the how bad the culture environmental and and sickness and food shock mm. all that is just crazy oh also um what's his name oh i'm gonna forget his name now i'm just now i'm just kind of gushing over over how cool stuff is um why can't i think of his name something the fourth oh no edmund no no patrick no i'm gonna forget his name uh, the leprosy king yeah. The leper king. Yeah, from Kingdom of yeah. Heaven. Yeah, he's he's in Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. Um, his stuff. He goes over him very very well. Awesome. Like a Baldwin the Fourth. He's amazing. Mm. Um, his determination, like, like saint level in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you venerate no one else except for him. <laughs> um, fascinating. Very like ascends the throne as a young boy. Already, or as a young man, I should say, already has leprosy. His kingdom's kind of falling apart. Saladin's just wrecking house. Meanwhile, he's just playing the pieces he has best. And honestly, I think you can, I think it's fair to say, trust in God. Mm -hmm. as, as not just like a, as the king who's like plays the religion and the politics at the same time. I think he, yes, he played politics, of course. Mm -hmm. Every king does. But I think he, I think he legitimately trusted that god was going to protect the kingdom and he needed to he needed to, it was his job to protect the kingdom sanctioned by god yeah. um and it was it's 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 awesome and he did hold back saladin until he died yeah that's so um, nice yeah again sorry to grill you on that no that's cool just, that's yeah. cool but well, sorry but We've been talking about how some other kings, some other kings in the same place, in the sa same place, <laughs> Weird it enough. was their job to protect the kingdom from yep. outside threats, and from threats from inside. One is failing and another's got to take over. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we talked last time about Samuel 18 and 19. Uh, in Samuel 18, let, not to cover all of Samuel that we've talked about in the last few episodes, if you want to learn everything we've talked about in the book of first Samuel, go watch our episodes on from chapter one, all the way to chapter, which we're doing now 20 um, chapter 18 and 19, which was last episode. What we talked about was David and Jonathan's friendship really starts like they know each other. They've been around each other, but here in the beginning of chapter 18, you get to see that they're the covenant between them gets made the handing over of the prince princely image from and Jonathan to David is given. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into how Saul is starting to get jealous of David. Uh, he tries to kill him a few times. David marries Michael. 
uh, Saul's daughter, which was the promise for killing Goliath. But Saul still makes him go and do something to uh, 100 foreskins. Yeah. And then he kills 200 because um, David's cool. But also I don't know if weird I'd call flex. That cool, but yeah. No, no, no. But da- David it's is cool, so he does more mm. than he's required, right? Because that's what a faithful person does. They do yeah. more than what's required. Um, however, the topic is just odd because he's killing a bunch of people to get a wife, and then he's also circumcising them. Uh, and then Saul tries to kill David again, and this time he flees. And there's mentionings of a household god in David's house, which is odd. An idol, which is interesting. And then it ends with David fleeing, and we get Jonathan warns David, where we are in chapter 20, in which I shall read the first passage. Right? One second. So just before, let's do a gentle overview of the passage as you're getting ready. Yes. So... David is like pretty, pretty like, hey, Saul's trying to kill me, right? And he talks to Jonathan, and Jonathan's like, Wait, but like for real though. And so this is their plot of trying to confirm: is this really what's going on? And it appears more to be for Jonathan's sake than it does for David's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so though this is kind of their, their, their friendship. Uh, previously, you have. Michael um, saving David, right? Yep. And then you have um, uh, Samuel and the Lord and the Lord saving David and the Lord's saving throughout the whole thing. Um, but now it's time for Jonathan yep. to essentially kind of, hey, and that David, whole you need to... Leave. Samuel saving David was like a weird um, people worshiping and prophesying in the, not the wilderness, but like out away from the cities. Mm-hmm. And Saul prophesying again for the first time in a long time in the attempt to kill David, mm-hmm. which is odd. It's a very odd passage. Um, and then that leads us to verses 1 to 3. Then David fled from Nioth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it. You shall not die. Behold. My father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes, and he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Yeah. So, why do you think... Jonathan has such a big issue because like we just read Mm -hmm. Saul's trying to run around trying to kill David. Why do you think Jonathan's like, nah, he's not. You're fine. I think it builds on the camaraderie we've talked about in previous episodes, right? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misunderstanding the point. No, no, no. Um, it restate what you're saying, Caleb. So like in the beginning of chapter 20, just before that, you have mm-hmm. Saul chasing down David to kill him, and then they they meet the group of prophets underneath Samuel, and he's saved. So it seems more like Jonathan is having a real big issue of like, hey, 
nah, David, you're, this is this isn't a big deal. You're no, he's not out to get you. I'm. My father wouldn't do that, and I think the indication, the answer is actually in 1906, where he's. Uh, <clears throat> And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's kind of, you know those people when somebody's told them, like, and no, man, this is the last time. I would never do this again. Yeah. So, and they're kind of a little bit in denial, but it's like, yeah, but they promised. Yeah. That's that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And date, yeah. I think Jonathan has a kind of hope in his father mm-hmm. that he won't like that he won't do not because he knows what happened with Eli, but that he won't be like Eli's sons, mm-hmm. that he won't be like Eli, that maybe that, that uh, in, in Eli in the beginning of the book had this, like, I know what's right, but I'm just not doing it. Mm-hmm. And maybe between Eli, uh, Jonathan and Saul, Jonathan is that part of, Saul, where he's the, I know Mm. what's right. We got to do it. And Saul's the part that doesn't do it. Um, and Jonathan's trying to hold on to his father in that, like, I'm not going to completely write him off. Who seems naive. Yeah. Idealistic. Like I, I would say he's loyal over naive. Wouldn't it? That he holds his father to his word, but then he also is protective of David. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Not based okay. on his, like, th- this alone, the amount of grieving that he does afterwards, mm. right? Like, he's, as we will get to, mm-hmm. he's, like, upset. Like, he didn't actually believe it, mm. right? That David was telling the truth. He was like, no, my, 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 my father tells me all the secrets of his rulings, right? He doesn't take yep. a plan without me. I'm central mm-hmm. to, his, to his, he trusts me. I'm in that inner circle, yeah. Like, and besides, he swore not to kill you. Like, this this is a settled mm-hmm. problem. My my dad wouldn't betray my confidence and his own word. Yeah. Would Especially he? when he makes failings, it's often I'm the one that picks up his mess. Yeah. I'm the I'm the only thing that's holding his recent kingdom mm-hmm. together. I'm the only reason that he still has a connection to God. <laughs> well, yeah. Like like in obedience. Like the obedience that that Saul's family has mm-hmm. is through Jonathan, and it's it's worth also pointing out that his his acclamation the the far from it the Hebrew word behind there is is not easy to translate. It's like the no way there can, it can't be like an axe like a uh, a big shout of like no like get out of here this is <laughs> yeah. let it never be so mm-hmm. right. Um, that's why you have a lot of variations in the translations on that when he's David's like, Hey, he's trying to kill me. And Jonathan's just, no, that's no, no, it can't <laughs> be. No, not at all. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon and I should not fail to sit at the table with the king. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says, good, it will be well with your servant. But if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. 
Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined, he was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? So we get the we get the plan of how to determine it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, if he if he if he answers appropriately to this question, oh, David is honoring this 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 spiritual thing that my family does in my city. Good, then he's a good, honest man that wants me to do and obey. Mm-hmm. But if he wants me there at a dinner, then then we know. Then we know because so many dinners and courtly events turn bad. Well, for David, yeah. <laughs> well, I yes, but also just like in history, so many of those are moments. Like that's why kings have food testers for things at those mm-hmm. times. That's why kings bring, even though they're at a dinner within their family stuff, there's guards posted around in the city because in this moment of pleasure and revelry, he's not paying attention to the kingly duties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so there's, there's so much going on that this could go poorly at times like this, that you have to create you, you people in power and in status can't enjoy relaxation the same way. Do you think guys think uh, the little, the, the little bit of research that I did looking into what this new moon festival would entail um, was spotty. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys think that there may be, that it's reasonable to speculate that um, the noble lineage would have likely had religious responsibilities during an, a new moon festival? And therefore, if, well, David is the son-in-law, do you think that there may have been political consequences for David absent, David's absence? And thus making sense a little bit of Saul's frustration with it, right? Yeah. The, Do you think that's a reasonable thing to put forward? Because he says... Joel? Maybe. Um, it's speculative I, at best. It's speculative. I think that... I think it would have been insulting to the king. Mm-hmm. Almost like a you-don't-have-your-house-under-control kind of a, an idea. Um, because... David's attendance would have been shown as loyalty. Um, but I think his absence would have been suspicious. And, you, and they talk about that when they call him the son of Jesse. Mm-hmm. And the way that they refer to him as the son of Jesse, um, the way that, that Saul uses it, it almost seems derogatory. And that's what I've seen in a couple of commentaries. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to point out, because here, here's the thing. Yeah. If you were married into the king's family, are you really your parents or should you be identifying as the king's family now? Oh, okay. So, he's so if saying, he goes to celebrate. Since he's not mm-hmm. here, he belongs to the other family. Yeah, not mine. That's, yeah. that's my thought. It's like He's like, oh, yeah, Saul's lineage? Whatever. Mm-hmm. I am my dad's lineage. There's, I don't know. To me, that's a little bit of something. That, that will that be the implication that is referred, inferred. Mm-hmm. But that, but David is using this as an opportunity to figure out if to show Jonathan that what Saul implies is 
planning. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, and it appears to to be more like a like a poke to see how maybe this will will rouse the murderous intent out of Saul, mm-hmm. rather than like a one. If rather than like if he answers one way, we know this, and if he answers the other way, we know this. Yeah, it's more like let's provoke and see what comes out. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a test to see what's going on behind because there'll be a tell. Yeah, shake the boat. Yeah. See and the then streams. also, if Saul were to go to the champion of Israel, right? The one who defeated Goliath, the one who kills his 10,000s, right? Who with Saul and David together in public are friends and good and they work together and they defend the kingdom and mm-hmm. Their God sends, <laughs> you know, um, for them to be seen away from each other at a new moon festival. That's not good. And then also, if Saul's initial intention is kill that man, then, oh, this whole thing is a charade. Mm-hmm. This whole thing is a political game for the presentation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if... And so for Jonathan, that means that that here's, relationship that they have, if Saul is immediately goes, kill David. Well, here's, here's the is, thing. I don't know if David's life is immediately at threat during the New Moon Festival. I don't think that's the threat. What I think it is, is let's provoke Saul and mm-hmm. see what comes out. You think so? I think so. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. like what, w- w- there's nothing like, like a prayer to God, and then, hey, if he answers harshly, we know this is the intent of his heart. And if he answers this way, then we know this is the intent of his heart. No, it's like, hey, let's do something so that his intentions may become obvious. So in other words, it's like a poke and see, you know, shake the glass and see what comes out. And they shake the glass, and Saul loses it mm-hmm. in front of David, or in front of Saul, in front of, uh, of Jonathan, yeah. right? Um, and so I think it's not like his life was immediately in danger in that context. I don't think that, that's right. my, that's my reading at least. You're right. But what I mean is, is that although he did agree. have his, he does have his spear with him. Nope. Yeah. That's not, but he also had his spear in the previous scenes. Yeah. It yeah. appears to be the thing that he just carries around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is odd. Um, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The next passage, let me bring that up is 11 to 17. Um, can, can I ask a quick question? Yes. Um, so in, I'm, I'm going to read a quote from a commentary, um, if you guys don't mind. It's from uh, Tyndale's commentary. So this would be Philip V. Long, I think. Um, the fact that, quote, the fact that David's plan involves deception may or may not raise ethical questions. One recalls Yahweh's instruction in 16.2 that Samuel should tell Saul, if necessary, a half-truth. That's mm-hmm. when he's like, hey, go say you're going to do this thing and secretly go anoint David. Mm-hmm. Um, David's outright deception here may be, in some respects, justified by the fact that Saul made himself David's sworn enemy. But as the narrative unfolds, it becomes evident that others of Saul, others of Saul's, uh, sorry, of David's deceptions cost him and others dearly. Yeah. What do you guys think of? Because it does just kind of like David uses open deception. Yeah. And it kind of just straight up goes unpunished. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the the enemies thing is 
No, no, no. I think I think we are. I don't think he's sinless in this. Okay. I I I said this before when we were talking about why whether we think Saul is uh, a tragic character or whether we think it's you know he's just a case study for don't be bad. Um, and you and I landed on he's tragic, and that I mentioned that line that the difference between Saul and David is that when he sins, he goes to God. Mm-hmm. Now, this passage is separate because I think what it is is we're starting to see that the presentation of David early on as this great man of war, this good kid that believes in God and fights the giant, filled with the Holy Spirit and anointed, is true. He's also a sinner, just like Saul. He just goes to God eventually. Well, and I think. It's like we know the outcome. Yeah. Right. We know that Jonathan does die. Yep. Right. Is it possible, hypothetically, that had the scenario played out differently, that Jonathan may have been alive? Had they not deceived him, had he approached Saul? Let's say and let's say Saul loses it in the presence of the yeah. of the the ceremony. And so when David leaves so does Jonathan. It's possible. It's all yeah. hypothetical and who knows. And I don't think the text goes any which way mm-hmm. on this. The text doesn't seem to care that David deceived. No. And I, because I don't think the deception is the point of the story. I think yeah. the deception is what is Jonathan, what is Jonathan willing to believe? Mm-hmm. What it, like does, is Jonathan on the same page as David? Does he believe his father or does he believe his, the, the man that, whose friendship he holds so dearly. Well, he does, like, he says, like, no, my father wouldn't do this. And then in verse four, he's like, okay, like, in verse four, he essentially is, okay, David thinks this is serious. Okay, what, what do you need? What do you, what do you want from me? Yeah. How, how, what, as my friend, what can I do for you to, to, like, like, we have a problem. I don't yeah. think you're right, but you take this very seriously. What do yeah. you want me to do? A, th- a threat to your life is not a simple matter that yeah. I'm going to dismiss. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we get into that. Uh, Then David said to Jonathan, who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, come, let us go out into the field. And so they both went out into the field. Jonathan said to David, the Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send it or disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan and move also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away that you may go in safely. May the Lord be with you and as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the, of the Lord that I may not die and did not and do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Man, what cool friends. You just, anyways. Question. Um, did I cut you off, Joel? Yes. Maybe. (laughs) Not sure. I apologize. No, I was just going to say how much this reinforces the loyalty of Saul's house to David. Mm-hmm. That even in whatever outcome, David will be favored in, in Jonathan's mind. And just the complete 
bankruptcy of Saul's household to hold the throne. Mm-hmm. That, well, I, I well here's the thing. It's showing how futile Saul's attempt at maintaining his kingship is. That even if he was to go on, his lineage still wouldn't be on the throne because Jonathan would immediately give it up to David. Yeah, and, and that claim appears to be, like we've mentioned how it's like he gives over the, the royal garments. But he also has just made the Lord's spirit be with you as he was with my father. With my father. It's just mm-hmm. immediate. Yeah. And, and as, uh, what was it? If it is done to you, so be it done to me. Or, or however he phrased that there is like whatever comes out of this. Do you, um, I, I hope to suffer the same fate that you do. Do you think he's saying that? Because if he's, if he's coming against his father in this way, mm-hmm. then he's breaking the commandment uh, to honor your father and your mother. And so he's saying, if I am in turn dishonoring my father in this and planning against him, just being in deception against him, then I do deserve to be killed the same way you do. Oh, interesting. That mm. he's saying like, no, I, I'm going with you because of this friendship and because God has made you king. Yeah. But if in doing so, I am dishonoring my father. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's the question that comes to my mind when we read about Jonathan is how does an honorable man side with a coup <laughs> yeah, <laughs> against God's anointed. And I mean, this question comes up for David as well, but it's, it's, I think more relevant, um, to, to my own action mm-hmm. in, in this case of Jonathan. Yeah. Um, well, cause that's my thing is I think Jonathan is also as one who is faithful, like David, mm-hmm. is he trying to balance the God has rejected Saul as King. God has made David King. How do I balance that? How do I side with my friend who is the anointed? And how do I do so in a way that doesn't make me dishonor my father? Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to play both sides there is very difficult. And I think that's also playing in why he doesn't, why he wants to believe his father. Well, I don't yeah. think he's trying to play both sides. I think he's desperately trying not to play both yeah, sides. Yeah, I, I think he's 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 being stretched. And he's, mm-hmm. Yes, he's such a. But but what I mean uh, is that in the attempt to not dishonor I think he's his the father, character. Yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely. But in the attempt to not dishonor his father, he's trying to still honor his father while siding with David, mm. doing he's, what's right while still trying to, to yeah, be the best son he can. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, part like the, the preaching side of me wants to draw this out into like a, how do we maintain leadership when leadership fails kind of a thing. Oh, <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. what comes to mind for me. And you and don't, you deceive the leader. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't show up for dinner. <laughs> I think if you disagree with your pastor, you just hold a coup. <laughs> thought, no, terrible. No, no, no. But it's specifically the youth pastor, the guy who's going to be the pastor in the future. Ah, uh, yeah. That's not what a youth pastor is. Don't say that. <laughs> David is a youth pastor <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think Kevin would be disappointed if he heard you say that. <laughs> no, I think yeah. Chris would be more disappointed because I'm calling him Saul. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You have been rejected. That's funny. That's funny. Um, verse 16. Yeah. In that section there. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. Mm-hmm. I, it's covenants like that that saved Mephibosheth later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want to explain who Mephibosheth is? Um, yeah, he's a drag along. Oh. <laughs> oh. I saw your eyes. You looked over to me and you were like... Mm. 
Okay, yeah. so now the real explanation and why that joke he was is dropped hard. as a baby and is said to be crippled. And uh, David, well, he is <laughs> said to be crippled. He could walk, but he doesn't want to. That's my controversial Bible take. <laughs> Mephibosheth was just lazy. Yeah, good one. No, he uh, he's the son of Jonathan. That was. Uh, I think it says that he was dropped well, like evading Absalom, somebody. Right? Yeah, yeah, Absalom coming in or something or, like that. No. Um, somebody was coming and attacking his family. Abner, sorry. Abner, yes. yeah. Yep. Who's a, a weird character as well. I always thought Abner was cool for no real reason growing up. Well, the name is cool. Isn't it? Yeah. I had a picture Bible and I was like, he looks awesome. Yeah, because he's <laughs> probably decked out in cool armor. Yeah, yeah as absolutely. the general of Israel Anyways, army. so uh, Mephibosheth's mother uh, dropped him and then he... Uh, yeah. Nurse, whatever. And because um, of David's promise to Jonathan, here, here, here yeah. he said, you are always welcome at my table. Yeah. yeah and then he takes and, him in and he dines yeah. at the, at the King's table. Yeah. And it's kind of the, the really the only way that David has ever shown to like honor this covenant. Um, yeah. With well, Jonathan. Well, the most tangible way. And it's the say. redemption of Saul's family. Yeah. Cause they're brought back into the house of the King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Yeah. And I, I think that. Do you see a little bit of, the, like the the whole, may what? the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. He is just being euphemistic. If, if my father mm-hmm. is trying to kill you, all the Lord will be on your side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's not going to say that yeah. on David's enemies. Mm-hmm. I, I also think it's interesting that it's it's mentioned specifically Mephibosheth is not crippled by birth. Which actually makes it not a judgment from God, mm. um, and it makes it a, a judgment on uh, his failure of kingship, which is Saul's which is failure. Cool. Yeah, yeah, well, because he's still evading the enemies of Saul, the enemies that Saul made in, during his life. Yeah, yeah, um, and that results in the crippling of his line, which is crazy. Um, the last, the last section, the last verse, uh, seventeen, and Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him. For he loved him as one loved his own soul. Mm-hmm. Which is a reconnection of that uh, passage in 18 where it's like the, as if they were knit together. Yeah. That. Um, Joel's going to like this one. Um, this is from the word biblical commentary. Uh, nice. Klein makes a point where it's like, hey, perhaps this ties to the vassals that Ashurbanipal commanded, quote, you must love him, Ashurbanipal. As yourselves. <laughs> cool. So you're saying that it's a vassal treaty type covenant. I think Klein's wrong, but I think it's cool that you brought up wait. Ashurbanipal, and I knew you'd like it. Yeah. Like wait, Ashurbanipal. did Ashurbanipal... Was, Ashur, was Ashurbanipal before the law? Yeah, because he's Babylonian. Yeah, but like during... No, he's he's Assyrian, isn't he? Yeah, yeah no, but he's, like, he's, he's not. I don't think he's he's not... I don't think he's because he's you, around you sh- at this time. You shall love Ashurbanipal as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Sounds very similar to a goal to a rule we all know. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but that's not. You should love your king as you love yourself. That's weird. No, but, but Ashurbanipal the, wasn't exactly like family friendly content. <laughs> no, but you're right. But is there a is 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 by by using the same phraseology but replacing a king or a covenant member? 
as the object of the well, love as on. yourself is, he, is God saying, no, you must love your neighbor as you would somebody you are in a life death covenant with. Right. Because ever, because <laughs> as the Kings had like demigod type King yeah. God stuff, which they thought themselves as the images of God. Yeah. And yet in the Ju- Jewish system, it is everyone is the image of God. Yeah. Everyone shares that King like relationship to God. Yeah. Therefore, just as you would love a king as yourself in that sense, but because everyone is made in the image of God, you must love, love everyone yeah. like you love yourself. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Probably it's not It's a polemic. There. Probably not it connected, but I like it. It is connected. <laughs> it has to be. We, talk, we talked is. about it for two minutes, so <laughs> therefore it's legit. No one's going to understand what we just said. As soon as this goes on the internet, that makes it true. <laughs> um, I believe everything else. Shall I read, I read the next section? I like that. Yeah. Can we summarize that for a second? Because I feel like you just ran through that as fast also, as you could. We can put that as a short, anyways. I guess when we um, start making Josh, shorts again. Seeing how I just ran through it, can you present it? Do you know how to make shorts? No. Just cut um, the legs off so, pants. like, resummarize <laughs> the idea we just said. That's what you want. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the idea was is that you mentioned that this little verse that Jonathan makes with the loving him as you love him uh, is. The 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 biblical scholar mentioned that this might be a relate this might be a reference to a common thing said that is rooted in a covenant command by Ashurbanipal, the king of Assyria. A long time ago, he probably made this. What was it? A vase? The the was it a vassal treaty? Yeah, yeah. So in the vassal treaty between two individuals, you were to love the king as you would yourself. So you had to treat him like you would treat yourself. Um, And I mentioned that that is interesting because that's the same phraseology as the command by God. And then later Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. which is tied directly with love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, the the golden rule. Um, And so those being the two greatest commands, which is interesting because if you are to love the King, the God King, as yourself, because he is made in the image of the God, which mm-hmm. the people are not. Which was very common in that Which was time. very common at yeah. that time. The biblical story is saying in Genesis 2 that everyone, Genesis 1 and 2, everyone was made in the image of God, not just the kings. Mm. And because of that, we should then, God is saying he's directly pulling that cultural note from the surrounding cultures and saying to Israel, no, love your neighbor, everyone. Mm-hmm. As you would yourself. Yeah. Because you're all made in the image of God. Yeah. The king isn't better than the people. He just has a higher, he just has a different role in the society. Yeah. Um, he's not a God king. So cool. Here's the yeah. thing. That's awesome. And I think that there might even be a connection there. I'm just not convinced that it happens in verse 17. No. Because, because... Um, Jonathan, it's quoting, it's at least Jonathan made David swear again. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, the position of Jonathan is not a king to vassal with David. No. That's nowhere in this text. And yet it presupposes that to be the backdrop Mm -hmm. in that culture at that time. Unless because they also have the law and they know it, they're drawing on that same idea that they are both humans. That's not explicit, I think, in yeah. the New Testament. Oh, no. Or not in the New Testament, in the Old Testament anywhere, and I think it would be presumptuous to think so. Yeah. 
elsewhere. <laughs> I think that that's that that concept yeah. that we've discussed is developed, and I think that that's yeah. fascinating. Okay, next passage. Then Jonathan said to him, "Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. On the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself." when the matter was in hand and remain beside the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send the boy saying, go find the arrows. If I say to the boy, look, the arrows are on this side of you, take them. Then you are to come for as the Lord lives, it is safe for you and there is no danger. But if I say to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go to the Lord, then go for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. Or the Lord is in our midst. Mm-hmm. Which is the, he also cause he also cause not causes calls God to be the witness of that covenant they just did. Yes. And so the whole thing is like, hey, as for the thing we just discussed about God being with you against the enemies and you, you know, not just destroying my lineage. God's mm-hmm. God will be a witness. Yeah. God is amongst us in this covenant. And the reason why that matters is because for co- covenants of this style to have their effect is you have to have witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and the witnesses affect what happens as a result of the punishment mm-hmm. for failing to obey the, 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 the standards or the requirements of the covenant. And so to, for Dave, for Jonathan to say, uh, God is the witness of this covenant, then the punishment would be of the highest severity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's not playing around. Yeah. This is, this is huge. Um, so a couple interesting things of note. Um, what do you guys think the, uh, the stone that he's talking about, the stone heap? Because <laughs> there's some funny stuff about it. Do you think that's the store place for making um, altars? No. So, <laughs> Ezel, or Ezel, um, there's a couple ways that Hebrew can go, and the Masoretic text is a little different even still. Um, may mean, if it's related to the Ezel, I, I can't pronounce Hebrew because I only have the transliteration, so I don't know the, the vowels on there very well. So forgive me if my pronunciation is off. Um, the Tyndale commentary gets into this. It if if the root is as Long puts it, it may mean the go away stone or the disappear stone. What? <laughs> Here's the thing. You said Ezel. That might yeah. be from. Yep. Might be from what? The Day of Atonement. The sun. Yeah, Azazel. Yeah. 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 It's the Wilderness. go away place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, the bye-bye place. It may designate a land, like a known landmark for like, hey, this is where, you know, this is where you leave the town. <laughs> yep. This is where you depart from. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so is it just saying that that's the way out of town? Maybe, but it probably has more ties to the disappearing stone. Or they're going, like, I don't know. It's weird. So when we say it's got a link to the Day of Atonement, talking about one... I don't think it does, though. No, okay. yeah, it, the, just, just in the idea of the going away, sending the thing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Here's the thing. 
the name may come after the fact. Yeah, that it's like known as that. Oh, that's that's the place where David hid before he ran away. Well, that's the going away stone. <laughs> that, <laughs> hey, David, go to the stone where you leave town from. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. eh, I just found it really interesting that several commentators have like two paragraphs dedicated to like, is it the disappearing rock? Hmm. Well, I think that's all the theological implications we're going to get from this section of the passage. <laughs> well, it does position David as the atonement sacrifice, <laughs> <laughs> linking him to Christ. Yeah, um, for sure. The boy. Oh, you, okay, so that was sarcastic, and you don't believe anything I said? <laughs> I don't think he was listening. I'm a bad theologian for saying stuff like that. But. I, um, I what do you guys? What does the boy function as? Now I'm asking what? a rhetorical question. He he sends as the nonverbal message to David. Yes. But why? Why not just show up and tell him? Because if then Saul knows that Jonathan's a part of this shenanigan. So, and Jonathan needs to honor his father uh-huh. and hold up appearances. Uh-huh. So, and so the boy will play as a witness. Yeah. Yeah. And a messenger. Yeah. So that David, so that Jonathan doesn't just show up and yell, Hey, David, hey, David my dad's trying to kill you. Get out of here. Run. Depart I mean, from the, the disappearing stone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. What, do you mean? what are we talking about? Why, why couldn't he show up and just shoot the arrows himself? What are you guys talking about? So why doesn't he just go to the stone and be like, Hey, David, run for your life. Yeah. Right. Because if he just disappears... At the dinner. At, like mm. after the dinner, runs away and then comes back and David's nowhere to be found. He's not with his family. He's not with anything. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. he just went and told David. Yeah. But if he goes and he brings a witness. Somebody might shoot some him. arrows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, well, where were you? Ah, oh, I was doing archery practice. Well, can anyone confirm that? Yeah. What's his face? The uh, servant boy. boy. Yeah. 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 I sent him to go out and get my arrows and on his way to go get the arrows. David, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This yeah. will later change in, later on in the chapter, but that appears to be the motive. Mm. Yeah. And and it's easy because Jonathan says, that's where I shoot my, my arrow. That's the place, as if I'm shooting at a mark. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it works. The disappearing stone. The disappearing stone. They're just still there. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, as at other times, on the seat by the wall. Jonathan sat opposite, and Abner, the guy we mentioned earlier, sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Yet Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why was not the son of Jesse come to the meal? Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal? Why was not either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to the Bethlehem. He said, let me go for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city. And my brother has commanded me to be there. So now if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Jonathan embellishes a little bit, eh? It seems like he's lying. 
was just like, oh, and then like his brothers were like, hey, you have to come. And, and he has to because his brother is probably the head of the household at this time and he's older. And so he has to listen to him. Mm. And like he embellishes, you know, families. If I found any favor in your sight, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny because the older brothers rule over the younger brothers, even though David is the one anointed by the Lord. Because you know, yeah, not um, really fair. <laughs> that's probably why Saul's like, I don't know, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Which he's not really convinced by any of it. Is the other thing. <laughs> no, they we'll, do this we'll whole there. shirt we'll anyway. David's that's, David's like, hey, I gotta listen to my brother. You know, I gotta give him something because God's giving me everything else. Um, so they sit down. Do you guys find it interesting? Like, what do you guys think that Saul's back is up against the wall? Uh, he's paranoid because mm-hmm. when somebody hunt, it's the same thing with Stalin. I'm going to make this connection. Interesting. When also you, tragic character, not a no, 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 I'm sorry. No. <laughs> when somebody is the way Stalin as a man trying to hold on power that was tenuous, same with Saul, um, was assassinating people and eliminating people because he himself was paranoid about his own kingdom, so to speak. Mm. And Saul is doing the same thing. He's, he knows the kingdom is not his, and so he's eliminating the challenge. Stalin had a few hundred thousand more challenges, but uh, Saul is saying, Saul is trying to eliminate this challenge to him. And so in doing so, he's portraying his paranoia through biological means, through behavioral means. You know what I find funny? He puts Abner on his side, hmm. and he puts his son across from him. He already knows. Yeah. He doesn't trust. That's why he lied to Jonathan the first time. Well, so that he wouldn't grieve him. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Right? But hang on, we'll get there. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, and because he knows Jonathan is sympathetic to David. Yeah. Um, why do you think Saul's not surprised on the first night? And he's like, ah, he's surely he's unclean. He's unclean. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's some commentators that are like... <laughs> Have some ideas. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole thing, like for a lot of Jewish festivals, is ceremony, being ceremonial clean has to do with uh, sexual activity. So he's yeah. like, hey, he might have just he might have just got some. <laughs> and now he doesn't show to the, to the but, thing, but that which would, is fair enough. The reason why most commentators won't go with that, but they'll go with something adjacent. Yeah, I don't like the adjacent Which is nocturnal part. emissions. Terrible. The reason being, it's in the book of Leviticus. We're no, not, but yeah. the reason is, yeah. is if he quote unquote got some, <laughs> I'm, I'm quoting you now. Yeah. Um, that that would, would imply that he's like, ah, he's just bad at following the law. He's a bad person. Mm. He's a bad, he's not yeah. being faithful to the law. Mm. And that wouldn't be, no. that wouldn't be assumed by, out of David's character, it doesn't seem. It's not Obviously. consistent with David's character. So it must previously. be something outside of his outside of his control. Control. And that's why they have me that's why they go to that option. That's terrible. <laughs> you know what's weird is it's in several commentators that they're all just like, Yeah, this is good. This is good. <laughs> Every once in a while you'll just start reading commentaries. And it's the same thing we had when it's like maybe Jonathan and David are gay. And it's like that's not an actual thing held by anyone as a belief. But commentators are compelled to confront it. Yeah. Also, you said that like people just do that. No, that's only us. 
sometimes you're just reading a commentary. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're preparing for a sermon, you better be reading at least one commentary. You hope so. <laughs> you would hope so. That you're not just completely ignorant to what the rest of Christendom has to say on the verse. But you also get stuff, and I, I have things like this where I'm like, Sigmund Mowinkle loves bringing up this point or whatever. <laughs> Everyone feels the need to bring up his work. Nobody feels the need to align themselves with it. And like we have things like that in theology, and this is one of them. Um, anyways, that's my rambling. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, I think it's I think it's also reasonable just to be like, hey, he touch something dead. Yeah, whether by accident or maybe because he keeps killing yeah. people in the battles. <laughs> yeah, I think that's also reasonable. Yeah, um, regardless, the excuse, the 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 Saul provocation, makes the natural assumption. He's not here because he has to be clean. He must not be because he wouldn't be here for any other reason. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't avoid this for any other reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the and the second day he's not there. Asks Jonathan. I'm suspicious. What's now. up? Yeah, Jonathan springs the trap, pokes the bear, rattles the cup. What comes out? Yes, and this section. Oh, let me find the verses. Uh, yep. And what comes out? Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, "You son of a perverse, rebellious woman." Mm-hmm. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse on your own shame and to shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. Whoever just shot that arrow, your mom said. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild, his first thing. Yeah. Okay, so he immediately <laughs> goes after Jonathan's mom. It's like, what? <laughs> You're my you, dad. You, <laughs> you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. There are harsher translations of that. Yeah. And he also immediately lets go that he knows. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That he's been lying to Jonathan. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame? He's just like, I know you guys are best friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What man, Saul? Just, Saul really like this is this is the moment. Like he's made moral failings, failures out of out of not obedience to God. Blah 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 blah. Now he's just a dick. Well, he's also breaking <laughs> his promise. His whole thing is surely he will not die in nineteen. Now he's like, bring him here. He will surely <laughs> die. <laughs> Whoa! And then Jonathan's like, "Hey, man, like, what has he done? What has he done?" Calm what the down. heck, Dad? <laughs> exactly. And then the spirit. Also, also his the his sp- response. Then Jonathan answered Saul, "Why should he be put to death? What has he done?" And also note the whole time before this, mm-hmm. he's calling him father. He's being very respectful. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in this section does Saul refer to Jonathan as son. The no. Respect is only one way. Mm. Yep. The 
the the family's broken apart at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also see the Saul hurls the spear to him to strike him, which is clearly at this point, he's just been accused by his son in front of people. And now as an outburst of his rage, paranoia, his own shame about being removed from kingship and David being put into it. Now his, his son is challenging him in open court. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just burst of emotion throws a spear at his own son. And here's the thing is it's, I've read some stuff. People are like, okay, throwing the spear. Is that worth really getting at? Is Mm -hmm. it more like he picks up his spear and like, kind of like, like in a threatening manner? Does he just kind of like jab? Does he kind of, because Jonathan doesn't even dodge. Like the other points where Paul, or not Paul, Saul throws the spear. It's like, and David lunged and got away. Yeah. Jonathan just doesn't. So is it more like a, like a, like a, an intimidation move? Because it's just, Jonathan stands up, doesn't dodge, just stands up and go and just, you know, goes to his room. Or, <laughs> or does Jonathan know at this point that Jonathan has been the success in Saul's battles multiple times. Mm-hmm. Maybe he knows his dad can't throw a spear at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Man. Right? He's no longer empowered by the Holy Spirit. The spirit that torments him well, is in him. And at a burst of anger, the spear's not going to land the target. Well, it, I also find it interesting. And he might be drunk. Yeah. yeah. He's drunk. And so he's probably. Just, but there's also like in 31, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. And I think that's in reference to the one previous, which is the sh- you bring shame to your mother's nakedness. Yeah. Which is the whole like, hey, you with your association with him, you're corrupting. You're, you're giving away all the, that your mother and, and Saul as well has given you. Yeah. Right? Like, what are you, what are you on? Mm-hmm. Which actually means Saul is openly confessing in public that David, unless he's killed, will be the next king. Yeah. He's let the cat yeah. out of the bag publicly. Yeah. Yeah. And also this, if it's in the open court with other people there. That, like, them coming home from battle together, that's over. That image of Saul and David working together and only in the castle are they angry at each other, right? Mm -hmm. That's, people know. Yeah. People know that this is not going well. Um, David's grieved, or Jonathan's grieved, right? Which is the very thing now that Saul was keeping him in the dark for. Yeah. Which, again, you get that tragic thing where he's like, I can't, I don't want to bring my son in on this. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that, and you definitely see that here, is like, part of that is like, I can't trust my son. Mm. Yeah. But the motivation listed in verse three, I think, is it verse three? Um, oh, the motivation that David tells Jonathan in verse three, but David vowed again, your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. He thinks, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. Hmm. Like, Jonathan, or <clears throat> Saul appears to have 
a couple motivations about keeping Jonathan in the dark. One of them is he knows that he's David's friend. And the other is, I don't want to hurt my son and cause this anguish and whatever. I'd rather just deal with the problem myself. I'll kill him. My son might not like me, but it's not going to cause him great grief. And the very thing that he was keeping him in the dark now is what he has now given to his son. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, when Jonathan runs away, it runs to his own. I, I, I find it funny that he, in my brain, he just runs to his room, you know, after dinner, he gets angry, and runs to his room. I don't know. I just find that imagery funny. Um, <laughs> Interesting, because mine doesn't say he runs. It, he, you know what I mean, though? Like, he yeah. just probably half off. crying, half running. <laughs> um, but he's, it's more that he's ashamed of his father's behavior to David. Not yeah. even like, oh, my dad tried to kill me. <laughs> or, yeah. or it's like, ah, oh, my dad betrayed my trust. No, he's just like, holy moly. My dad's not holding to his vows. He's not a good king. He's, do you, know what, do what? you know what Jonathan here reminds me of? Like his character in the relationship reminds me of, you've watched the movie Troy. It yeah. reminds me of Hector. Yeah. Trying yeah. to like hold his brother Paris together. Hey, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Like you've gotten us into this whole mess. Mm-hmm. And he's like defending his brother, or in this case, his dad, up until this point where it's just like, oh, and then like the fight with Achilles happens and you're just like, oh, <laughs> like this sucks Yeah, for him because he's doing this. He's all, do- he's doing the right thing, but it's like, why, mm-hmm. why is he getting, he's putting the, well, no it shows win. when you align yourself with the wrong king, you will eventually be fighting a battle you don't want to fight. Or is it the sins of the father passed down to the son? I don't think that that's, I don't think that's what's going on here. What I mean is like that the, the, the consequences, the of consequences it? of Saul's actions are affecting his family. Almost definitely that. Yeah, yeah that it's. I, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you mean that, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last section. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field to the appointment with David, and with him a little boy, the servant. And he said to his boy, "Run and find the arrows that I shoot." As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him, and when the boy came to the place of the arrow, then John, where Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the boy and said, is not the arrow behind you? And Jonathan called after the boy, hurry, be quick, do not stay. So Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the boy knew nothing. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his weapon to his boy and said to him, go and carry them to the city. As soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another. David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace because he, we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord saying the Lord shall be between you and me and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed and Jonathan went into the city or, uh, Oh yeah. There's a textual, there's some textual variants stuff yep. about chapter breaking. We'll end yep. it there just cause it's not actually indicative of the, story i don't think yeah yeah david gets the message yeah um a couple points to note he just sends the boy in so the whole thing about the boy is just completely done <laughs> well it it, it uh it, it's undone like they still go through with it because yeah. david realizes he's like oh like should, I, I gotta go yeah but he's like i think what it is is they've made the plan 
they followed through with the plan and then David and Jonathan were both like, oh. we got to say goodbye. Yeah, I think so. I think, like, I think exactly that's like, what it is. Like we said the plan, but Jonathan at this point is just like, who cares if my father knows? He knows. Yeah. He knows anyway. He knows anyways. I, what I think it is, is it's like they do yeah. the plan because that's what they agreed upon. But then they also were like, it's. Oh. Sorry, man. My yeah. dad hates you. It, it's this. They, they only see each other one at a time. Yeah. The kissing and crying is bad for the commentaries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's kind of. I think it's gay. The, a little. I think it's the similar with uh, Paul saying uh, greet each other with a holy kiss. Well, I think it's it's also yeah. it's a different it's a different culture. Oh, for sure. Kissing means very different things than than it does now. It's also uh, when Saul is on his or when Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Yeah. For the for that final trek, and he meets the elders of Ephesus. They weep bitterly with one another. Mm. Yeah. Now doesn't say there's kissing. Doesn't but say all, that again. <laughs> but there's also not like the bestest of closest friends. We mm. we for to quash and different the whole culture. idea is when we think of kissing, we think of romantic kissing, and not the kissing of a greeting mm-hmm. or the kissing of a departure, which was common at that time it's even common today in different parts of the world just not yeah. in the west yeah it's only in north in the west north america europe parts of spain parts of latin america spain's not part of europe <laughs> <laughs> never has been <laughs> but portugal is though eh? yeah <laughs> okay well this is not good where i thought it was <laughs> we can divide uh, europe up by country that to, kisses each other to read into the type of kissing we're thinking is to read back and it's eisegesis. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a bad cultural hermeneutic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's an, it's also an anachronism. I think is the term. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. What be. do you think of? Uh, they both wept, but David wept more. Wept. Sorry, yes. we did. more. <laughs> wept did more. <laughs> um, I, I. You think it's just like imperial propaganda? <laughs> but what? David was our like, king cries a lot. <laughs> like, That's how you know he's a strong man. <laughs> he cries over dudes. He does um, everything better than Saul's family, even weeping. I mean, there is a whole thing of like he loved Jonathan more than Jonathan's dad loved. Which is <laughs> kind of funny. Um, I don't. That's what's being conveyed here, though. Well, it, t- to me, the whole thing does kind of indicate. Sorry, the whole thing, I'm going to get back to the weeping thing, but of Jonathan sending the messenger boy back yeah, kind of indicates to me that Jonathan didn't really think that was going to be the answer. No. Right? Because mm. he was just like, yeah, we'll do the system, whatever system you want in order for me to give you the message. But then when the message was bad, then he was like, oh, oh, let's do, okay, do the message. I That's not enough. Yeah. We need to actually say goodbye. Also, I just found out that my dad hates you. Like, yeah. legitimately, he broke the promise with me. He he tried to kill me. He tried to kill me. He also announced to the people that the relationship is bad. Everything is falling apart. Not only do we know that the kingdom is no longer my dad's, but the kingdom is actually falling apart. Mm-hmm. Do you think the reason for weeping more bitterly is that he thought Jonathan was going to be killed by Saul? I think it's that Jonathan's not going to come with him. Mm. 
Jonathan's. I, th- I think it's a bunch of those things. Like I, yeah, Jonathan's not going to come. The weight of everything that's it's just... everything. Jonathan's not going to come with them. They're probably not going to see each other for a long time because he has to wait until Saul dies, or oh. or David is eventually going to have to kill Saul. Was it up to this point? Do you think kind of and before that David had the had the hopes of like maybe my ascension to the throne will be with peaceful, peaceful, moderately peaceful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now it's like oh, I have to run. I have to run. It's it's a Moses situation. Yeah. It's going to be forty years from now. <laughs> like not forty years. And who's going to be left? Who's going to be around when I come back? Maybe not you. Maybe yeah. not Jonathan. Are any? Is my wife still going to be here? Mm-hmm. It's a cool <laughs> story though that he kind of just goes and becomes a bounty hunter, sort of. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited for that episode. Missionary. I don't know how I feel about it. Well, I kind of want to get into like what that would look like in an ancient context. So, well, this is this is the um, this is the closest uh, the. This is a, there are sim- parallels. I'm not saying it's the same type of myth, but it's the parallels of the, of the, um, Lion King Hamlet, Ra and Osiris story where yeah. the guy, the, the main hero had the kingdom is taken from him mm-hmm. or his father. He has to go away for a while The he's about to go on his Timon and Pumbaa in the yeah. wilderness moment. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to come back greater with the army, powerful, takes the kingdom. Yeah. Now I'm trying to overlay that on um, Jesus and, mm-hmm. and my mind racing, Victor. and I don't know. I'm still oh. trying to relate it back to Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Scar is set. Yeah, it's yeah, unapologetic sure. about that. Um, it's, and yeah, it's pretty straight. Whatever the and in Hamlet, it's the uncle. And then what is what is Pumbaa like the king of Gath? No, uh, what are Pumbaa, we talking about? <laughs> Pumbaa's the king of Pumbaa Gath. Pumbaa is the uh, no Pumbaa's the pirates that Hamlet goes and lives with while he's away from the kingdom. Okay, now you're That's... just comparing two stories that are not this. No, they are. No, no, no. <laughs> they are this. Really? <laughs> no, no, no. No, okay. You're saying Hamlet and then the Lion King. Hamlet and the Lion King those... are the exact same story. Yeah. No, for sure. And so what? All I was making is the thing is that the main character Hamlet, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be king, this other guy kicks him out so he has to flee and he goes away with this other group in Hamlet it's the pirates in uh, Lion King it's Timon and Pumbaa where you see him grow up yeah. and when he returns he's a he's a good sword fighter he's cunning he's wise he's intelligent he and then he comes skulls. back defeats his uncle defeats Scar becomes king so Gath is his level up Gath is his level up with Timon cool. and Pumbaa yeah where he eats bugs in the woods. Where he eats bugs in the woods and says, ain't no worries for the rest of your days. Oh, yeah. It's our problem for philosophy. Oh, no. Disney's actually going to be after us for Wonderful copyright. Don't, don't say it. We got to pay for this. <laughs> we already just established. No, no. no. If, if it's demonic, question great. Mark. Now we're not going to make any money off of this podcast. <laughs> that actually, no. That does feed into my demonic thing because it is a <sighs> Egyptian uh, god story. Oh, yeah, Disney's just a retelling of ancient god stories infusing the culture with demons. Anyways, thanks for listening to the cigarettes. <laughs> okay, can we summarize this? Okay, yes. fine. So, like, demons are inhabiting <laughs> the gods. No, um, okay, let's go through this. Caleb, we're going to do this together because I Cause lost. We can't do it apart. <laughs> um, okay. It's our thing to start derailing at the end, eh? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's kind of when you know it's getting to be over. So... 
David comes back from running from Saul the first time mm-hmm. in Saul's attempt to follow him. And then Samuel helps him escape. Uh, and he's back at Rob, uh, meets Jonathan. He says, Hey, what have I done? Why is your father looking for me? Why is your father hunting me? Please just tell me what he's done. You're his son. You would know. And Jonathan says, he's, you've done nothing wrong. My dad's not trying to kill you. It's all in your head. It's all like, what's going on? <laughs> um, my father tells me everything. I'm his confidant. I'm his trusted advisor, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, and then David's David, like, did you ask him? He goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they hatch a plan because Jonathan, a good friend, yeah. also trying to honor his father, says, okay, they make the plan. Let's test my father at the festival. You don't appear. That'll provoke him to come and talk to me because he knows that I, being your best friend, would know where you are. Um, and depending on his answer to what I give him, uh, we'll know if he intends to kill you. Um, and they're like, cool, but how are we going to tell, how are you going to get the message to me? We'll do this whole archery thing where I, I'm going to shoot a kid with arrows. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to send you away at the disappearing stone, but people can't know that I'm in this plan with you. So I'm going to send a servant to go tell the message. Um, via this fake archery thing that we're doing. Um, so they, they hatch the plan. They do the conversation at the dinner. Saul shows his hand, tries to kill his own son. Jonathan is super sad um, for multiple reasons. He's what? losing a friend. He's losing his father. The kingdom's falling apart. He's the only one doing anything right. And he just found out his mom's <laughs> <laughs> Perverse. A perverse woman of nakedness. <laughs> really is. Woman. Wow, oh, it's so mean. Yeah, you're <laughs> it your dad trying to kill you, turning around saying your mom sucks and your best friend's a loser. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, I gotta hurt my feelings. I'm gonna get up from the dinner pa- table and walk away mad. <laughs> yeah. And then he storms off to his room crying, I think is what we said. And I don't Abner know if that's just there doing nothing. Imagine Abner just like, this is good chicken. <laughs> That's exactly how I imagine it. <laughs> Just doing nothing. So then they sent out the message. They sent out the boy that they're shooting with arrows. <laughs> um, they say, and then they're like, no, nah, but we need to say goodbye. This sucks. So they meet up, they grieve together and they depart. Yeah. And in between there, they're just like, Hey, our, our offspring are, held in a covenant together. We are, yeah. we're, we're friends for life. We're friends beyond death. Yep. Which is dope. Also foreshadowing for that time when Jonathan dies. Yes. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> is that next week? Maybe next week. I, I really don't know. Jonathan Warren's David. Depends on how, how big of a section we're David and do. the Holy Bread. David in the Cave of Abdul. David and the Holy Bread Adulam. is a pretty good one. I like that Saul one. kills the priest of Nob. Where he walks into the thing and he's like, I want your finest bread. And he goes, we've only got the holy bread. He goes, I'll take it. And they're like, like, I don't think you can do that. You can't do that. Later on, Jesus is like, "Eh." (laughs) He goes, I'm more anointed than that bread. And they said, fine, you can have it. (laughs) And it's awesome. I'm more anointed than it. Therefore, the rule does not apply. Anyway. I really, uh, there was a a live action thing that went through these whole, all these events. Um, Anyways, there's a live action movie or whatever that had a pretty low quality. It was actually the first time I'd ever heard Yahweh said it loud, which is pretty cool. Um, 
but it went through all this stuff. And now that's all I can imagine in my head. And that is what happened. He just shows up and like grabs a claymore for some reason. Like that would be the sword that they're using. Anyways, uh, we'll talk about that when that happens. Yeah. Uh, biblically accurate swords. Are you guys begging me to end the podcast? Is that what's going on? Not yet, but we're getting close. Begging. You're saying bag weird. Bagging. Bagging. <laughs> like a grocery store? Yeah. Grocery store. I'm bagging your groceries. Get out of line. Thank you for listening to the Second Races <laughs> podcast. We are at a line, so don't even worry about it. Um, welcome, welcome to the Second Races podcast. I don't no. even say that. <laughs> you know how you know how one of my favorite musical artists, Muse, don't know how to end a song. We don't know how to end a podcast. Yeah, weird. You don't know how to plug Muse either. <laughs> I'm not the one that's supposed to be plugging things. Yeah, well, Billy, we Joel, Billy Joel is the best artist that's ever lived. Well, Muse can be found on Spotify, and so can our podcast. Billy right? Joel can be found in the middle of the 70s shaping culture. Holy <laughs> moly. Anyways, thanks for listening to the Second Rate Saints podcast. Um... If you want to get a hold of us, you can check us out on our website, secondratesaints.com. We've got a chat feature on the website, as well as some book reviews and blog posts um, that you should definitely check out. Uh, keep an eye on our Twitter and our Instagram to see what we're going to be producing in the next little while. Um, we'll see you next week with another episode. Um, thanks for listening. It's all madness. It's all madness till it isn't. It. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be... No. <laughs> we started to diverge um, from the You path. can tell why I am not on the worship team. <laughs>